slave already. At least we'll have a leap year to slow it down a little. This is the earliest it can get. This week's Parsha, the uh, star of the Parsha, so to speak, is our brother Aesop. Yitzchak Avinu calls him in and says, Hunt for me food. And then when you come back with the food, I will bless you. I will give you brachot. Now, it's not necessarily brachot, uh, thank you, be well, stay well. It's a special bracha. It's, so to speak, the bracha that uh, Yitzchok inherited from his father Avraham. And his father Avram received the bracha from heaven itself. And therefore this uh, is more than just an ordinary or usual <coughs> blessing of a father to a son. But it is rather the transmission of the heritage and responsibility that comes with the family of Avraham for the future as well. Evidently, Yitzchak thought that Esau could handle it. That's one of the mysteries of the Parsha. When the Parsha says, Vatecheno Einov Meros, that Yitzchak could not see. Recording in progress. The internet went down, came back again. It's on again. So when uh, Yitzchak uh, couldn't see, so uh, that's not only meant in a physical sense. Somehow he was uh, unaware of the true situation of his sons. And who was obligated to, uh, who was willing, so to speak, to assume the burden of the transmission of the blessings of Avram. So that's the arrangement that Yitzchak makes. You uh, bring me food, and uh, when you do that, when you fulfill that mitzvah, you will have the merit of obeying your father, then I will see to it that you take on the responsibility of the brachot. And Esau agrees. Esau, who is by now a murderer, a philanderer, a pagan, you name it. He's always called in the Jewish tradition Esau Rasha. An evil person. 
somehow at this moment he says, okay, I, I agree, uh, you know, I will go out and hunt and bring you the food. And because of that, therefore, you will bless me and I assume the responsibility of the blessings. Because uh, Esau, so to speak, lacks nothing in the physical world. He doesn't need his father to uh, give him wealth or power. He has achieved all of that already. So it's a very strange situation here. In which uh, somehow... Esau sees himself as the heir to Avram Avinu and the man who's going to carry forth this idea of monotheism. Recording in progress. And of goodness. It's not our picture of Esau. Then what happens is Rivka overhears the conversation. She knows what Yitzchak wants to do. She does not confront Yitzchak. She doesn't tell him that you're wrong. Maybe she's aware that it wouldn't help. Men should always listen to their wives, but they rarely do. And therefore, she devises a plan by which Yaakov will take the brachot and take on the responsibility. Recording in progress. The, the internet is bad? The internet is useless. It has to be upstairs. This should be upstairs, it seems. I'm sorry. They make a booster so that it can be stronger down here. Uh, yeah. a booster for you. Booster upstairs. Whatever. So she uh, devises this plan. Uh, Yaakov dresses as Aesop. Uh, Yitzchak senses that something is wrong. But he feels the arms and it's hairy, it's Esau. And he blesses him. There are differences of opinion in all of the interpretations as to whether at the moment he blesses him, he thinks he's Esau or he realizes that it's Yaakov because I call call Yaakov. And therefore, he wants him to have the blessings. Esau comes back from the hunt. He prepares the meal for his father. Yokumovi, my father, stand up. Yochal and eat from what uh, your son has brought to you. 
So Rashi quotes Chazal there that when Esau entered to feed his father, Yitzchok all of a sudden saw, however we uh, will interpret this, but he saw Gehenim open in front of him. That with Esau, Gehenim enters. So he's aware that Esau somehow is not going to be worthy of the brachot because Esau is Gehenim. Recording in progress. So, uh, because of that, because he is aware, he says to him, Bo achicha b'mirma. Your brother has come, b'mirma. What does mirma mean? The simple, literal translation is cunning, subterfuge. Mirma has a uh, negative uh, uh, association with it. Rashi says Mirma is Chochma. He's outsmarted you. But in any event, uh, Yaakov has received the brachas and not Esau. Esau loses it. He weeps. Not only he weeps, he cries, Saka Gdolo Mora. Great, loud, and bitter cry. The Gemara says that we find the same phrase by Purim. That when the uh, the decree of Achashverosh to destroy the Jewish people was made public. So Mordechai is Vayitzak Tzaka Gdolo Mora. Mordechai weeps and shouts the same way that Esau did. And Chazal connect the two. They say because we caused Esau that pain. So therefore we also suffered that pain. Which is a remarkable chazal. Because uh, to a great extent chazal agree that Esau is a victim here. That Yaakov uh, outfoxed him. And uh, therefore, uh, the rage of Esau against Yaakov, which is not only personal at the time of Esau and Yaakov, but remains throughout the generations, uh, has uh, a basis for it. And because of that, therefore, Esau says, Achi Korashmo Yaakov? Do you know why you called him Yaakov? 
So at the beginning of the parsha, he's called Yaakov because Yodo Ochezes Ba'keve Sovochiv. So Yaakov is from the word to hold on to the heel, the foot. But uh, Esau says, you know, you called him Yaakov, you didn't know how wise you were in doing that. He has cheated me twice. So here Yaakov, Okov, is like the Novi says, Okov Alev. It's crooked. It's unfair. He's a cheater. What are the two times? As Pachorosi Lokoch, he purchased the Pachora from me. And now he took away my Brocha. So let's look at what he says. He says two things. In other words, the Ace of the Pachora and the Brocha are two separate things. I sold him the Bchorah, so that's a, uh, that's a business deal. That's a monetary deal. Instead of Esau receiving uh, two-thirds of the estate, Yaakov will get two-thirds of the estate. Okay. So he says, that was not nice either, because I was oyev, I was tired and I was uh, hungry and I was on the verge of collapse and he took advantage of me. And a, a brother should give a brother to eat unconditionally. And he said, no, I'll give you to eat, but uh, sell to me today the Bechorah. So that's how he cheated me the first time. So okay, so that's the Bechorah. I never did anything about it, Aesop says. But the Brochos is a separate thing. It doesn't necessarily go with the Bechorah. And therefore, Ve'yakveni Zepamoyim, he has cheated me twice. He took not only the Bechorah he took advantage of me and my uh, physical condition at the moment. But now he stole my brachas. You told me you're going to give me the bracha and I'm going to be the one that keeps the Jewish people going. And all of a sudden he inserts himself and he gets the, the, the bracha and he runs away. And uh, So his name is Yaakov. So Esau made a fundamental error here, which uh, the Mephorshim discuss, and which is a very uh, sophisticated idea. When a person purchases something, what is he been, when the Gemara goes through this uh, in Dine Mominus. 
I'll give you a, an example. It's a bad example, but uh, Friday morning, 10 o'clock, it's all right. You purchase uh, a uh, an automobile in the good old days, not now. And then they give you a right, you can buy a warranty for a certain period of time that the company will stand behind the automobile if there's anything wrong with it. So there are many cases in the law where a person purchased a car, he never purchased a warranty. Is there an implied warranty? Is it the fact that I bought a new car and I paid this and this amount of money for it, is it logical to say that I, in purchasing it, thought that I was getting the warranty as well? And since the seller, the car dealer, didn't say, you should know that if you don't take the warranty, there is no warranty on the car. He didn't say that. And it's not in print in any of the contracts. So therefore I'm entitled to the warranty. The seller, the car dealer, on the other hand, says everybody knows there's two different things. You buy an automobile, you buy the automobile. But then there's a question of the warranty. You didn't buy the warranty. If you didn't buy the warranty, we're we're not responsible. Esau thought that the Bechorah is one thing and the Brachas is another thing. And therefore, even though he is aware that he has sold the Bechorah, and he doesn't know whether Yaakov knows it or not, whether Yitzchok knows it or not, his assumption must be that Yitzchok is also aware that somehow he sold the Pechorah. But he never sold the, the Brochas. Never, because this is a uh, uh, an abstract uh, idea. A warranty is an abstract idea. You can't put your hands on it. The Brochas, uh, he, he never sold it. It was not part of the price. So therefore, that's why he shouts and weeps. And he says, Yaakov cheated him. Yaakov's not entitled to the brachos. The brachora he's entitled to. He got it under the wrong circumstances. He cheated me, but never, okay, a bad deal is a bad deal. But the brachos? So he says this father, what there's no you have no brocha for me? So where is Esau at fault here? So we see it in the beginning of the Parsha. In the encounter of the uh pot of lentils that Yaakov cooks up for him. And he gives it to Esau. 
So it says in the Torah, there's an onomatopoeia here. Vayochal, Vayesht, Vayokom, Vayelach, Vayivaz, Vay, 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 Vay. And that's the idea of Vayiva Zesa Vesapchora. He shamed the brother. There's one thing to sell. So, a uh, person says, uh, let's say, uh, you know, a person is going to make Aliyah. And he has a very nice home in uh, wherever. There are nice homes in wherever. And he and his family lived there for years. And he and his wife raised their children there. And it was a good neighborhood. And it was a fine home. And he enjoyed being there. But now he's going to make Aliyah. He's going to leave. So he puts the house up for sale. And he sells it. So the seller says to the buyer, you know, this is a great house. And we lived here for uh, decades and we enjoyed it. And it's comfortable and it's nice and I wish you the best. And it's your house. That's one scenario, right? Another scenario is that the seller says, if he doesn't say it to the buyer, he says it to himself or, or to the family, good riddance. Boy, we, we unloaded this lemon. Yeah, the house always needed repairs. It's not that comfortable. Thank God we sold it. Not somebody else's problem. And he naturally does not inform the buyer that there are problems. That was Esau's attitude towards the Bchora. It says, Vayivaz Esau To him it was, oh, I got rid of it. Feh. Lomo li Bchora. What do I need a Bchora for? What am I stuck with this old house? Got rid of it. If that was your attitude towards the Bechora, then it's unreasonable to think that the Bracha is a separate item. You really don't want the Bracha either. You're not really capable of fulfilling the Brachas. If you would have said, you know, Yaakov, I have to sell it to you because I'm dying of hunger. But I also want to be buried in the Morris Amachpela. I also want it to be remembered good. I also want all the benefit. But what can I do? I have to sell you the house because I'm leaving. Because I'm dying. So then this would be a different attitude. Then he would be justified to saying later to his father, listen, I sold him the Bechorah under duress, but I never sold the Brochas. I never agreed to that. 
However, when it says Vayiraz Esavasapchora, ah, Lomazudi Bchora, what do I need this for? What I have? There's no future in it. Tine Anochi Olech Lomus. My ears are limited, right? I'm not going to live forever. So what do I need all of this for? So later he cannot come and say, I'm entitled to the brachos. And that's what Yitzchak hears when Esau complains to him. And therefore Yitzchak says, Bo achicha b'mirma, I don't know how he's doing it. That's a different judgment. Whether the cunning of Yaakov is bechokma or not, that's, we'll judge that separately. But he came, and I gave him the blessings, and the blessings belong to him. Because the blessings, Esau, as far as you are concerned, are a separate item from the Bechorah completely. And that is the crux of the issue. Esau would like to have the advantages of the Brachas. He would like to be immortal. He would like to be remembered for good. But in order to do so, He has to appreciate what's involved and be willing to fulfill the obligations, and he's not. And therefore, the brachas don't fall to him. I I read a book, uh, a biography of uh, Justice uh, Louis Brandeis. Brandeis was the first... uh, Jewish uh, justice on the American Supreme Court. Uh, Brandeis was a uh, labor lawyer in Louisville, Kentucky. He had an uncle who lived in Louisville by the name of Louis Dembitz. Dembitz was an Orthodox Jew, observant Jew. Uh, Brandeis was... uh, fairly assimilated, though Brandeis was the head of the American Zionist uh, Federation. And it's interesting that in the Senate hearing to confirm him to the Supreme Court, Brandeis said he resigns from every organization that he belongs to except the Zionist Federation. So, uh, Brandeis wrote once about his uncle. Uh, He was so attached to his uncle that he took his uncle's name, Dembitz, and made it his own middle name. He called himself Louis Dembitz Brandeis because the uncle did not have children. So he writes that uh, numerous times he was invited to his uncle for a Shabbat. And he describes the beauty of the Shabbat in the home of his uncle. The meal, 
his aunt prepared the food, the serenity, the quiet, the atmosphere. And he writes longingly and he says, I long for such a Sabbath, but without the restrictions. <laughs> Which is amazing for such an intelligent person not to realize that it is only the restrictions that create the atmosphere. But that's Esau. Esau also, you know? So there'll be another yeshiva, but I'm not the, why am I out? I'm also entitled, but without the restrictions. And that becomes the entire theme of the confrontation between Yaakov and Esau. And later on in next week's parsha. in two weeks from now, in Vayishlach, when they meet again, so that's the difference. Asaph says, let's go together. I'm also part of it. So Yaakov says, okay, you know, are you willing to give up this and this and this and this and get rid of the idols and the, and the women and the everything then Esau leaves. Now he says, uh, brother, you have whatever you have. I'm going somewhere else. So in this uh, family drama, so to speak, between the brothers, uh, lies the crux of uh, all the matters of Jewish history. And that the brochos are separate from the b'chorah. And that therefore the fact that the uh, <coughs> the fact that they consider them separate is a mistake because if you sold the Bechorah, if you're not willing for the restrictions, then the brachas went also. You're not entitled to the brachas. And we see that uh, played out over and over again within general society and certainly within Jewish society. That people want the bracha, but they've sold the bachora. And in not realizing that in selling and abandoning the bachora, they have also lost their opportunity for the brachot, which really are the transformative things that describe Esau and Yaakov. So I think that's a basic idea that we can get from this week's parsha and that it really speaks to the heart of the matter. Well, thank you for coming, and have a Shabbat Shalom and a Chodesh Tov. We should all be well. Yeah, I think you'll need to.